We pray, O God, that by your Holy Spirit we might find ourselves in this depiction of the gospel portrayed for us by Luke, that it might become this night for us your holy word, transforming us closer into the image of the word made flesh, in whose name we pray, amen. You know, often the scriptures make a profound statement, not just by what they say, but by how they organize what it says. In the passage that Pastor Bree just read a moment ago in verses 13 through 23, Jesus is leading the disciples through all of the intimacy and all of the vulnerability and really the tenderness of this time, this intimate gathering around the Last Supper. His final meal with his closest 12 and all the symbolism of the Passover meal, breaking bread, companioning with them on the night before his execution. He says the sacred words, this bread is uh, my body broken for you. Words that we will say once again in a few minutes. This cup that is poured out is the new covenant in my blood. At this reenactment, this remembering of this great event, Jesus has just indicated that he is going to literally die for his love for us. Then we get to verse 24, and Luke writes, a dispute rose among the disciples about which of them was the greatest. What? It, it, reading that verse, it feels like hitting a speed bump and the wheels coming off. Uh, uh, Jesus and the disciples have just been in the midst of the pathos, the anguish of the Last Supper, and the very next line is an argument came up about who was the greatest. How does it go from the vulnerability and intimacy of that dinner gathering to now an argument about who's better than who. It's like a junior high basketball game has just uh, erupted onto the scene. Well, Jesus' own words at the conclusion of the words of institution give us some clue about this jerky transition. He concludes the words of institution by predicting that one of them is going to betray him. Now, earlier in Luke 22, as the readers were told that this is Judas, we're, we're aware of that, but the disciples don't know that. And so in verse 23, just before we get to verse 24 about the argument between the disciples, we're told that they then began to ask one another, which one of them, who could it be who would do this? And you can see the fragility or the insecurity of their relationship with Jesus has just been exposed by this prediction of betrayal from one of them. Betray Jesus? It couldn't be me. Betray my own convictions? Turn out to be a fraud? I've been worried about that. What if he's talking about me? Is that possible? Could I be the one he's predicting? That's what they're all wondering around this table. And that creates anxiety. 
You know, it's as if we all uh, share in this anxiety. It's as if there is a latent Judas that resides in every one of us, and we're very anxious about the time that it might happen to us, that this will come to life and we will for some reason dismantle everything we've built and believe in. And so our favorite way of coping with this anxiety, or one of our favorite ways, is to, as humans, compare ourselves to the other disciples. Well, at least I'm not like them. They have the wrong politics. They have the wrong theology. They have the wrong interpretation of the Bible, the wrong style of worship, the wrong way of doing things. At least I'm more committed to them. And so it's the insecurity that one of these disciples might be the betrayer that causes the anxiety, and the anxiety expresses itself in comparisons. Then we get to the passage that follows our text for this evening. When Peter says, Lord, I'll go with you to prison and to death. This is Peter's way of saying, Lord, I'm definitely not the one you're talking about here. I will go all the way. I'm ready to die for you. And that's when Jesus predicts that Peter will actually deny him three times. And so prior to our text of the institution of the Lord's Supper is Jesus' prophecy of Judas' betrayal. And after the text is Jesus' prediction about Peter's denial. What does that mean? It means there are no role models in this text about who is a great disciple. And that's the point. As Jesus is trying to make clear, there is no such thing as a great disciple. In this text, he says to the disciples, the kings of the Gentiles, have they lorded over you and they have benefactors who lorded, give them power. Well, the title benefactor is an ironic uh, term for one with great power who is able to maintain that power by giving things to lesser kings. And so the good that the benefactor does is for the benefactor's own sake. And Jesus contrasts this benefactor form of greatness, giving in order to receive, with the calling of his disciples. Not so with you, Jesus says. That's not who you really are. And then he inverts greatness. What is greatness? Who is the greatest? Well, let me tell you what greatness is. The greatest is the servant, and I am the one who serves. And so to be a disciple of the one who serves means that we are never more than someone who is in training to serve. We're never more than someone who's in training. Our second daughter, Abby, is 15 years old, and she has her learner's permit. She's learning how to drive right now. Um, her older sister is uh, 16, going on 17, and she has mastered the wheel. Uh, she now safely drives her friends and her siblings to various places that they need to go, and Abby will get there one day soon. In the meantime, we have a large magnet that looks like a bumper sticker on the back of the car that says, student driver, turn around and save yourself. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It says, student driver, please be patient. 
Please be patient. My heart goes out to these kids who are learning how to drive, especially in this winter of all winters, you know, because the subtext of that magnet is don't yell at me. Don't honk, lay on your horn, and don't shake your fist at me because I'm just trying to learn how to grow up in this world. My point today is that as a disciple, we're always wearing a magnet on our shirt that says student driver, disciple in training, and we never graduate beyond that. And so when through our education here at the church, whether it's our Bible studies or the books we read on our own or our discipleship classes or book clubs, we read about the great heroes of the faith, great warriors of social justice or great theologians who shape our understanding of God and ourselves. And we think, you know, I'm, I will never be that great. Thank God. Thank God for that, because now that means that we're, we're starting to understand what discipleship is all about. We're always a work in progress. And I don't want you to be worried about your potential for betraying Jesus or denying him or failing to be faithful, uh, to follow him faithfully. I don't want you to worry about that and whether that's going to happen because I can promise you it's going to happen. Of course it's going to happen. All of us will fail to follow Jesus faithfully and like Peter did, especially when it's this close to the cross. And when that happens, like Peter, you will find Jesus ready to forgive you and call you again to service. Feed my lambs, he says. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Serve, serve, serve. Who you really are, Jesus says to the disciples, is one who is following, learning from a servant, a servant trainee. And so when you're confused about your gifts or your contributions or your capabilities in the midst of a world that's being torn apart by nations in search of greatness, and you wonder what it is that you have to offer, just return again to the clarity of this calling that we all have just serve. And you don't even have to be a great servant. It's hard to feel like a fraud when your calling is just to be a student driver, a trainee. And don't let anybody honk at you for this either. We're all just learning how to grow up in this world. God, we thank you for calling us to service. We thank you for calling us in the way of Jesus Christ, to follow his way. We recognize that, that we are all like Judas, we are all like Peter. We want to love you, but we fall short. We thank you for your forgiveness. Call us once again as we come to your table today. Feed us with your life. Wash us clean with your blood and give us the grace to serve you and to serve others. In your name we pray, amen.